ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So I don't remember exactly what year it was that I started to be a little bit uncomfortable with Thanksgiving which is a little bit hard for me because it's also my favorite holiday. And it's my favorite holiday because I love making a turkey. But the more I really started to understand the song that we learned when we were little kids, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and that suddenly he found America, it never really sat right because of course there were people already here in America. (laughs) And so even though I love the turkey, it begged the question, how could he find a land that actually was already found. And what is amazing is that the more and more that I have gone deep into the quote-unquote goddess work that I've done, the high priestess work, it is the work of Native people. It is the work of the directions. It is the work of understanding how we connect with Mother Earth, that as women, we are Mother Earth. We are the sun and we are the moon and we are the trees. And so many practices that we're kind of adopting in today's world as new agey are really native and ancient. And so there's such an opportunity to learn the real native practices and learn the real ancient practices and to honor the people who gave them to us. And that is why I am so excited to have my guest here today. She is the perfect person to really help us dive into how we can preserve the culture, how we can learn from the culture, how we can uplift our indigenous sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers. Let me introduce you to Shayla Ulette Stonechild. As a Métis and Nihau woman, Plains Cree woman, From the First Nations, she has always been a catalyst for Indigenous youth and women unlocking their full potential and reclaiming their voices. There's a powerful shift happening in humanity right now, and she believes that arts, meditation, movement, and reclaiming an Indigenous worldview all play a part in amplifying voices to bring upon much-needed change. She's at the forefront of Indigenous women's wellness, and I would say, if you follow her, of all women's wellness and in wellness in general. And in March 2021, she became the first Indigenous woman to be on the cover of Yoga Journal magazine across Canada and the United States. She has recently wrapped up season three of APTN's Red Earth Uncovered. She's a trauma-informed yoga instructor. She has over 500 plus hours of yoga teacher training. She's also part of Vancouver's Diversity and Inclusion Committee with Lululemon. She is truly incredible. And she's the founder of The Matriarch Movement, a nonprofit organization dedicated to highlighting indigenous voices and providing wellness workshops to BIPOC women across Canada. There's so much more I can say about her. We're gonna learn all about her. Let me welcome Shayla. Shayla, welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. Thank you so much, Karen. Hi, hi, for having me here. Um, Yeah, I feel really thankful to be here. Mm, I feel super grateful that you are here because 
years and years ago, I did some deep priestess work and mm. training, if you will, and really remembering who I am as a high priestess, who all of us are as women walking this earth here to raise the vibration of the planet and of humanity. And we got into the elements of earth and of wind. We got into the elements of grandmother moon and father sun. And we really dove into bringing the directions in. And then I really started to learn that these are indigenous native ancient practices mm -hmm. and really true to, to who we are as humans. It's like, uh, we need this. We need to be in touch with Mother Earth, and we've lost touch. Mm -hmm. And so it's so beautiful to reconnect. Yeah, essentially, like, uh, yeah, Indigenous people hold the natural laws of the universe um, since, like, the beginning of creation, and it's really embedded in our blood memory within our bloodline and our lineage. But also, we, too, have been affected by colonization and by capitalism uh, and by the toxic patriarchy. And so I feel like, for me, it was also reclaiming, you know, what it be means to be Nehya, what it means to be Métis. And a lot of that comes from our language, actually. Our languages hold our worldviews and our teachings and our values. And when I say I'm Nehyao, the word Nehyao actually translates into the four aspects of being, which is the four directions, which are within mm. the foundations of the medicine wheel. And so when I say I'm Nehyao, I'm also uh, speaking of the four directions, then I'm speaking of uh, the four aspects to our well-being, which is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so you know, to know that our languages hold such um, direct connection to the land is, mm. I think, really beautiful. And it just shows that we've had these values since time immemorial. And it's now mm. happening in the world where we are reclaiming, you know, what it means to be Indigenous, what it means to be Nehyao, but also, I believe, what it means to be human. Mm. I love how you break that down because it really is yes, what it means to be Indigenous, and, and I wouldn't know right in my own skin, I'm listening to you, and that it is what it is to be human. Mm -hmm. And we're running around as humans, you know, using artificial light when it's meant to be dark out. We're eating mm -hmm. artificially created food that's not natural for the time of season. Even as women, where our cycles are designed to go with the moon cycle, we've thrown mm -hmm. it all off, right? So it's like, every way that we are currently living we've gotten away from what it is to be human and humans right since the beginning of time were of the land mm -hmm. exactly and then it's just like when um so like when the genocide started happening against indigenous people it was also like fragmentating like indigenous people are so directly connected to the land that when you look at genocide itself it was also when we started um viewing the land as separate from us or like fragmented mm. from us. And that's mm -hmm. when we started like exploiting and profiting off of it and capitalizing off the land. So genocide mm -hmm. against indigenous people was also, you know, tearing that relationship to the land at the same time. And so it's like, yeah, we are directly connected <laughs> um, to the land. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people 
don't recognize that because mm-hmm. of, you know, the state of the world and because now we're moving into an artificial timeline and, you know, everyone's so connected virtually, which is beautiful and great. But also at the same time, it's like I got to remind myself to connect to the organic timeline to really uh, recharge and come back to those practices that were with um, my ancestors and with my within yes. my own bloodline. Yes. You know, with things being as anxiety producing as they've been for the last certainly couple of years and and hundreds and thousands of years i have found myself coming into this year my birthday i always do a lot of journaling and which is in september and the word that kept coming to me as i was journaling was grounding Mm. right it's like this podcast has had massive explosive growth. Thank you all for listening. My business has had beautiful growth. I had a baby last year. Mm. Like there's been a lot of movement Mm -hmm. and all I kept hearing was grounding Mm. because we are ungrounded, right? In our society, we're running so fast. We're moving. We're like, Mm -hmm. get it done. Do, do, do. Add more to the to-do list. Be carpooling in 10 different places. Mm-hmm. And this idea of dropping a grounding cord, connecting in, is mm-hmm. how we regain our sanity. Totally, totally. It's it's interesting that you bring that up because um, I'm I've also been I obviously I'm going through way different things. I don't have a kid, so <laughs> I haven't hit that cycle yet. But uh, my uh, my personal and professional life like really yeah expanded this last year, and it was this month actually that I was like, hey, I need to come back to my grounding cord, and I mm. need to come back to you know what feels right within my body because I feel you probably relate like when you work within this space it's almost like sometimes you are you're overgiving and you forget mm-hmm. to like nourish yourself and so I have yes. to really remind myself that it's okay to pause it's okay to honor the cycles and I believe like you know winter in Canada especially is the best month to really rest and nourish and reflect on the past year and so mm. I've been spending the last descent like this past month really doing that and also a big transition of moving from the unceded Coast Salish territory and the Munster from Squamish and Salish to the people, which is Vancouver, BC, all across the country to Jogue, uh, which is known as Montreal. And so mm. it's like, yeah, how can we find those grounding cords in our center when everything in the world seems to be in a big transition, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. our lives? <laughs> in- well, including our lives. And I-, I believe that we're being called to our purpose, right? That mm-hmm. like, this is what's actually happening, especially as women. Mm -hmm. that we came here at this time because we were going to be needed (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so i'm hearing a lot of people really a lot of women like all right i need to ground in because something there's a shift happening Mm -hmm. and it's so beautiful to really connect that these ideas of of grounding and connecting with mother earth this really was the way of humanity until capitalism came, until colonialization came, and until patriarchy, right? And and mass mm-hmm. religion. And and this isn't to like man hate or religion hate or any of that, but the way going with the flow of the seasons, as an example, January mm-hmm. one, everyone's gonna rush to make these resolutions and it's like, sister, slow down. Mm-hmm. This is the time to go in. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you're bringing us back to the way that our human bodies were actually designed mm, to thrive. 
Mm-hmm. And even like the word thrive, I think, you know, what does that mean and what what does that look like for someone? I think, uh, you know, capitalism and colonialism have a good way of altering our perception of what success should be. And I think that's why mm. we're constantly in a state of hurry and we're rushing around because maybe there's a subliminal feeling that we're never going to be enough. And mm. I think, you know, Mother Earth really shows you that, like, what we have within within this earth and within life is enough itself. And so I have to mm. remind myself, like, uh, perfectionism is also, like, a symptom of, you know, colonization and uh, white supremacy. And so it's like, how can I unlearn, you know, even having to be perfect or mm-hmm. because, you know, right now I'm enough. <laughs> yes. So I remind myself and we're, we all are, you know. Yes. I actually remind myself of that. I have something called a, a yes to the mess dance that I teach my clients where like you just yeah. go absolutely, totally like let your hair out. You let yourself you know, <laughs> almost like if you ever watched Friends, Phoebe dance on Friends, right? Oh, like yeah, or, yeah. or run. It was when she ran, not dance. But like, you know, you just kind of really go. And and we really are. And this might be new for some of you as my listeners. I think especially as women, although all of humanity, but especially as women, we are truly designed to go with the flow of mother earth right Mm -hmm. our cycles we we are all emotions right like we are the storm and we are the calm Mm -hmm. and so allowing yourself to be messy the whole idea of perfectionist yes is a white patriarchal system created to make us hate ourselves frankly Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make us be in competition and so this return and that's what makes us so anxious and feel not good enough and then you know, not feel like a good enough mother or not go after your purpose or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so this opportunity to really ground in and mm-hmm. to really be in. And you, Shayla, do so much work with indigenous women as well as women everywhere and of every different creed and race and nationality and religion. Talk to us about what you've seen because of those mass genocides, because of how the land was stolen Talk to us about what you see in your community for people who don't know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, what I see in the community is, um, you know, I, I think for me, I, I relate, obviously. I think when, before I can speak about my community, I really have to speak about myself. And, mm. you know, here in Canada, um, you're probably familiar with uh, residential schools and that maybe you're not, you haven't heard of the Indian Act, but really that was enforced to assimilate us into European and Christian uh, culture. And my father uh, went to residential school. So, you know, it was a system that was designed to kill the spirit of the Indian, uh, quote unquote mm. Indian is what mm. um, they said. And so my father went to residential school. And so in a system that was designed to set up and kill his spirit, uh, you know, it Mm. eventually did. And so he ended up being incarcerated. He went to the Canadian federal prison system. He led a life of, you know, substance and alcohol and drug abuse. And, you know, those those. I think effects of uh, colonization and because of the Indian Act and because of the Canadian government and the federal institution that eventually let led him to take his life. And so he actually, you know, took his life in prison. And I share this story because one, I want to destigmatize suicide. And two, it's unfortunately a reality that a lot of Indigenous people face here um, in Canada 
and suicide is the leading cause of death within First Nations communities, and most of our communities are made up of youth. And so a lot mm-hmm. of Indigenous people, I know, as specifically here in Canada and the United States, are really just fighting to have our basic needs met. Really, it's not even asking for much, but we have been historically and presently denied access to those basic human needs. There's over 600 nations here in Canada alone, and some of these nations still don't even have access to clean drinking water. And so we have been denied, you know, our rights as humans by the Canadian federal institution, by the government, by the federal government. Uh, But Canada does have the framework for reconciliation, for relationship building between uh, Canadians, between the federal institution and Indigenous people itself. But it seems like there's, uh, you know, there's a they there's a lot of performative gestures and acts out here. But when it comes to actual deep work, we still have a long way to go. Uh, you know, there's the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in the report, but I believe only a few of those calls have actually been uh, implemented. And so in, for my first for my community, uh, you know, we're just fighting for our basic human needs. We're also uh, fighting for our survival, not only of ourselves, but also of our women, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Um, and the two-spirit crisis is currently affecting all of us across Turtle Island. I'm 12 times more likely to go missing and murdered, and I'm also less likely to have that televised or broadcast across, um, you know, mainstream media. And so really what's affecting our communities is just our need to survive. And that's why I also think of the word, you know, when we talk about thriving. For me, I also recognize even though I'm Métis and Nehiao, I do have a sense of privilege because I do live in a city. And so it's also realizing that, you know, I do also have privileges in a sense because I'm not living on the reserve. I'm not living, um, you know, in a place that doesn't have no clean drinking clean water. water. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's it's quite a big question, but it's all also tied directly to the land and it's tied directly to all of our history. And I think that's what some Canadians and non-Indigenous people don't recognize is that this affects all of us. It's not just Indigenous people. And it's going, it's taken us, you know, seven generations to get get here. It's going to take like seven generations to begin that healing process. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what's happened in Canada this summer in June with the, you know, the findings of the unmarked and mass graves here in Canada of Indigenous children, I believe that was the shadow side of the country really coming into the light so that we can begin to heal and alchemize and transmute this Mm -hmm. collective pain that we've been suppressing for hundreds of years so that we can begin to heal it and transmute it. And then then we can begin to, you know, talk about relationship building and talk about reconciliation. But I feel like, you know, like I said at the beginning of this uh, conversation, like I feel like I have to talk about myself before I could talk Mm -hmm. to my community. And I feel like it goes with the same work with our, our own work, like before we can really help one another we first have to dig really within and look at our own shadow side and so my question for listeners is like you know what did you learn about indigenous people where did you learn this from uh do you have any biases or stereotypes and how can you begin to dismantle those that may be limiting your own perception and your own conditioning of what indigenous people are and what we do because it's so like intersectional too at the same time you know i think i like the concept of indigenous futurism and it's like 
radically imagining ourselves in different, you know, places or themes within our lives that we haven't had access to because of genocide and because of colonization. And so I really like the concept of indigenous futurism, but Mm. knowing that all of our identities are so like intersectional and there's not just like, you know, one type of indigenous person out there. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, hundreds of nations. And I'm so appreciative of you opening up and sharing about yourself. So thank you. And my, I'm just like setting all my love to your father and to you and to your whole family. And you can see how if a child is forced to go to a school that takes away and strips away everything that that child has learned culturally at home, mm-hmm. that it's going to kill his or her spirit or their spirit that it's exactly it's going to lead a child to feel not good enough whether it's around language it's around food it's around relying on the land versus relying on the dollar i mean all of that and so and and i appreciate you asking my listeners and i'm going to start with myself what have we learned and i'm going to tell you like i know growing up in school i learned nothing about first nations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i'll tell you i'm 47 so i hope that it's changed in school but I learned absolutely nothing. I learned that in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I learned that we're going to put on pilgrim hats and that there were quote unquote Indians. And mm-hmm. it's like, hold up. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. none of this even makes any sense. But we weren't taught, or I can't even speak for other people. I know I wasn't taught. And yeah. so it's, I'm going to just be honest, right? Like, I would say it's the last few years that I started to go, wait a minute, we need to really step back and I I need to understand more. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that I have any sort of, you asked what are your stereotypes or biases? I would say I have more, I had more like ignorance, not having any Mm. thought about, Mm -hmm. right? Which then is a bias because then it's saying, oh, these people didn't matter or didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that is a bias. And when someone, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, Shayla. Mm -hmm. So if if our ancestors were told, and therefore we are told, that we don't matter, that has a massive, massive impact on our ability to succeed, mm-hmm. right? Because psychological damage and because of intergenerational trauma, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, so your family, you come from Holocaust survivors, and it reminds me of this Indigenous woman that I know. Her name is Leah Gazin, and she's a politician out here in in Canada. I think she works for uh, Winnipeg City Centre. I may be getting this wrong, but her name's Leah Gazin, and she comes from Holocaust survivors, but she's also Indigenous. And so she mm. has, you know, a lot of, within her own bloodline, you know, steeped of genocide. and uh, But then it's so much steeped within her own power like she's so Mm. powerful Mm -hmm. and i think i think that's something that i you know have that we have access to it's like yes this trauma is within our bloodline but we also have so much of the ways of like healing and moving forward and like using that trauma to be the catalyst into saying like we want to feel our power again you know and so i think yeah i'm we get to claim it every single human Mm -hmm. at any single moment can claim Mm-hmm. Right. And exactly. I'll talk a lot about pain to purpose as I mm-hmm. often find that our biggest pain, like, you know, I don't want to put this on you, but hearing about your father, I'm guessing, you know, was really a catalyst for you and this amazing, beautiful well-being work that you do. And so mm-hmm. we all can take whatever the trauma was. I look at my grandparents and 
they are Holocaust survivors, right? And mm-hmm. that survival instinct that, yes, I could focus on how my great-grandparents were killed in a concentration camp and in a gas chamber, mm-hmm. or I can look at, wait a minute, my grandparents came here with nothing and created. <laughs> and exactly. That is, that's the storyline that I'm exactly. going to choose. And, right? Even if someone doesn't have the parent or grandparent that came before them, we have this human agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we exactly. can heal and shift. Yeah. Yeah, it, sh- it just makes you honor and respect like the the good things about humanity when you've known the dark and the shadow side, mm. you know? It's all about that duality. I was talking to one of my friends last night and I was like, you know, they're speaking of, wouldn't you just want to create a story that's like all love and light? Da, 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 da. I'm like, I actually find like the darker sides of and the denser emotions also just as fascinating as like the mm. brighter and the happier ones. I don't know. I feel like how can we honor you know the balance of both and i think it comes back to again that teaching of the medicine wheel of really connecting balancing your medicine wheel the physical mental emotional spiritual but also of the dark and that lighter aspects of your own identity of your own psyche Mm. for those who aren't familiar with the medicine wheel would you describe it shayla yeah, so the medicine wheel is actually the logo of uh, the matriarch movement as well. It's the O in the movement, and the medicine wheel is a circle that's uh, pretty prominent across a lot of indigenous teachings. Although some, you know, I'm Cree, so we have a specific way of viewing the medicine wheel, but maybe different than another tribe. But really, um, the medicine wheel is a circle that represents the interconnectedness and the interrelatedness of everything and everyone, and it's divided into four sections, four to represent the four directions, uh, four to represent the four seasons, four to represent the four aspects within your well-being, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. But also within that center of the medicine wheel is you. It's your highest self. It's your inner self. It's you that, you know, when you feel in your power. And then on the outside of that circle is your support system, your family, your friends. And then on the outside of that circle is your community. And then on the outside of that circle is globally. And so really it talks about connecting to your highest self so that you can then serve your family, your friends, your support system, your community, and then globally. And so, you know, when I went to yoga teacher training, my first training, I was really focusing on my inner self, on, you know, my own medicine wheel. And it wasn't until, you know, I felt confident enough and when I, you know, felt really enough by myself that I was ready to share it with my family and I was ready to share it with my friends and my community and then, you know, globally. And so I work with the medicine wheel, you know, on a subconscious level, I think every single day. Um, And it also Mm. represents the four cycles and the four seasons. And so how can we honor, you know, each aspect of that medicine wheel within that cycle and within that season? Mm, mm. And the sense of, you know, we talk so much in Western society about being balanced. Right? Yeah. And like balanced between my work and my kids or my work and my community or work and family or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. what you're literally describing is the key to balance. <laughs> I don't happen to, you know, it's like I usually don't use that word because there's not just two aspects of ourselves, but truly grounding into that there are four seasons of life four seasons of every experience there are four directions the north and the south and the east and the west and so there there is this place of each of us becoming whole in ourselves and full mm-hmm. and then right and then outpouring from there exactly and i think 
even the way we view work like uh for me too it's like why why do i have to view my work as something that's outside of my personal and professional life like Mm. this is something that i'm also toying with right now it's just like because at the end of the day it's all interconnected like it's coming from you your source (laughs) and it's uh, right and it's anytime we deny any part of ourselves that we feel less than or unwhole mm-hmm. or depressed like one of my theories is that anytime you repress any part of yourself you will become depressed right mm. so talk about the darker emotions and of course you were having that conversation last night this mm-hmm. is being taped the day after winter solstice right yeah, yeah and yeah. i have like six posts that i started to write about solstice but frankly i was so in the darkness yesterday that i couldn't post a darn thing so, <laughs> <laughs> right and it's like and wanting to work with those dark emotions i used to be somebody because i grew up my parents would say you're our happy one, you know? And so it was like, oh, I'm sad, put that away. Oh, I'm angry, put that away, right? And so mm-hmm. it was like, there was no space for the quote unquote darker emotions or for the the shadows of me mm-hmm. and all of me. So there is this necessity to love and mm-hmm. honor each aspect of us, even the parts mm-hmm. that you think are unlovable. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's, um, yeah, unfor- like it's a lot of what people are afraid of. They're afraid of, you know, feeling those denser emotions. But mm-hmm. I think there's just so much clarity that comes with that. And for me, it wasn't until I started looking within those darker shadow aspects of myself that I feel like I really knew what I was here to do. Like, I feel like when mm. I did that work, it, it just aligned me more with my life and soul purpose. And so, yeah, I Ooh. think there's beauty in both. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I want you to go deeper into that if you're willing yeah, for my my shadow, my shadow self. <laughs> yeah, and going in, first of all, I love the word denser, right? Mm, like Denser, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my graduate program in positive psychology, we would talk about positive and negative emotions. And it's like, I think we all knew negative is not the right word here. <laughs> like, yeah. What is the word? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> denser is true. It's, you know, I, I sometimes will refer to it as the more challenging emotions, right? The stuff we're not used to feeling. And mm-hmm. so I love denser. And you are such a woman of purpose. I mean, starting the Mm. matriarch movement, really leading yourself and so many others, and to hear that it came from the shadow side. Mm -hmm. Would you share that journey more? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, there's probably listeners here that are into astrology, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a Pisces a sun, I'm a Gemini moon and a Cancer rising. And so I feel like, you know, I don't want to, I don't like wiping every, you know, astrological sign with the same brush, but as a Pisces, I'm constantly uh, kind of seeking to escape some of the mundane like <laughs> realities. <laughs> um, and maybe that's through spiritual practices or the other side of that is you know through substance abuse and so when I was younger I moved to Vancouver at the age of 18 and I went to Vancouver Academy of Dramatic Arts but before I found myself it took really losing myself and so you know I was was using my own substance abuse alcohol um and I was serving for like serving for like I don't know five years at least and so I really lost myself within that industry and I think Mm. sometimes when you are within that service industry it's hard to get out because you you become addicted to you know making money every single day and you're constantly feeling like you need to have more and so Mm. for me you know I think there was a point in my life where 
I didn't know who Shayla was and I didn't know what my path was. And so it took me losing myself within substance, within my own abuse to really hit rock bottom to decide that this isn't where I wanted to be. I remember looking at myself in the mirror one day and, you know, I had lost sight of why I moved to Vancouver. I had lost sight of, you know, my goals and I had lost sight of really my true essence. And I felt like looking at myself in the mirror, it was just like I was a shell the person and I didn't have a spirit honestly I felt like my spirit was wandering and it was like waiting for me to be called back home coming back to my center Mm. so you know for me it took really hitting rock bottom and you know losing someone that I really loved for me to realize like this is not where I wanted to be anymore and because Mm. of you know the statistics against indigenous people and you know we're always shown in a negative and you know vulnerable way and when I looked at myself, I was in a very vulnerable state, but I also realized like, because I've hit rock bottom, I know this is not where I want to be. And so I believe there's a lot of beauty in rock bottoms. And so I always say like, if you hit rock bottom, you can only go up. (laughs) And I want everyone to just underline, there's a lot of beauty in rock bottoms. I don't want to interrupt you. I just want to hang on to that quote forevermore. There's a lot of beauty in rock bottoms. Thank you, Shayla. Exactly. So I... I hit rock bottom and I, you know, my, one of my friends at the time, she's still my friend, but, uh, she took me to my, my first yoga class and it wasn't until another indigenous woman took me to a yoga class that I felt comfortable enough to be there. And so, uh, I went into the yoga class and ever since then it kind of really shifted, um, my own life. And I went to go to a yoga teacher training because I was like, wow, if this is what yoga has done for me, I can't imagine what it will do for other people and for my Mm. own community. And so I went to a yoga teacher training with the intention of, you know, really focusing on the physical postures, the sauna practice, not realizing that yoga is a whole world and a whole way of life itself. And the word yoga, you know, means union of mind, body, spirit, and the medicine wheel means the exact same thing. And when you go into yoga, you go in with with an intention and you're purifying yourself through your mind, body, spirit, your breath, you're cleansing. It's like your poses are prayers. And when you go into, you know, the sweat lodge, you're going in with an intention. It gets really hot in the sweat lodge, but you're focusing on that intention. You're focusing on your breath. And both of those practices are aligning you to something greater than just yourself. And when you look at the history of yoga, what happened in India and how it was colonized by the British and they had to take the yoga practice underground, what happened here in Canada, you know, we had to take our ceremonies underground because of the potlatch ban and everything else that was uh, stripped away from us, you know, both of our ancestors really held on to these practices that connected to something bigger than just ourselves. And so for me, it took losing everything I thought I was to find that clarity so that I could, you know, alchemize that pain. Again, what you said, bringing that pain into power. And that's when I really, really started finding myself. And so when I let go, when I went into that purification process of really letting go of the substance, of letting go of toxic relationships, I started actually getting a lot of visions and a lot of dreams and a lot of ideas. And I realized like sometimes they're just waiting 
like our ancestors or these messages or our guides mm -hmm. are waiting for us to have these messages, but sometimes we may not ready to be able to receive. And yes. so I think I was in a state of being finally ready to receive after all, you know, those trainings and I started mm -hmm. getting downloads and that's actually how the matriarch movement came to me. It came to me in a dream. And so mm. that's how I knew I had to bring it forward. And so it wasn't till like losing myself and really, you know, um, losing myself did I really find my my life purpose and that's the matriarch movement yeah so it's been a, it's been quite the big journey I'm only and I'm only 27 so I still have like oh sister so much more to learn oh sister such a priestess <laughs> you are oh my goddess oh my goddess in fact in your culture is there another word for priestess what is the word uh, you know, I, I, I think, well, for me right now, it's matriarch. I think, uh, matriarch. like, tradi yeah, traditionally there, you know, uh, each tribe was different, but traditionally in some tribes, there was the balance of, you know, the masculine and the feminine. And there was, you know, duties and roles that each of us had a purpose for. And it was through the introduction of the Indian Act and colonization that tore away matriarchs from their well-respected roles within our societies. And so, yes. This everywhere made our, yeah. exactly so this like dishonored us it made our voices not matter you know we're and even in canada here alone like the chief and council system out here is actually like a patriarchal i believe structure um and so that was not traditional to us and so i think matriarchy for me is like that high priestess energy and yes. matriarchy i feel like you know you don't really call yourself a matriarch it's like something that you know others may like eventually call you like when you get older like an elder i, I feel like mm -hmm. all of our elders are are matriarchs and really it's yes. just like a strong powerful uh, woman but also I want to credit like non-binary and two-spirited people as well because mm. you know even gender gender was um, you know enforced by colonization but there was traditionally two-spirited people that were both masculine and feminine and I don't want to take up too much space because I can't speak for two-spirited people but just knowing that even gender itself is kind of like a made-up construct. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and listen, it, I identify as a you know a, a cis female, um, white female, just to be clear, with where my own limitations and boundaries and understanding and privilege lies. Mm -hmm. And I can't speak to it either. And there, it's such a time right now for us to be open and knowledgeable that we mm -hmm. are all fluid. <laughs> <laughs> There's so mm -hmm. much of both and in all of us. And there were many cultures where the matriarchy w did have equal respect, mm -hmm. equal power, equal responsibility as the patriarchy, right? Th there were many cultures where the matriarchy actually was the higher mm -hmm. above, right? Yeah, exactly. And that got wiped away really by fear, right? Because mm -hmm. when major religion and a white patriarchal system came about the way to have power was to take anyone who wasn't like you down right yeah that aside you know here you are reclaiming matriarch for mm -hmm. for the wise women in your community mm -hmm. i mean regardless of your 27 years i mean sister you're like 2700 years old which is beautiful <laughs> <laughs> that's your spirit that's your soul and <laughs> and a couple of things one i want to Thank you for sharing your story about mm -hmm. hitting that rock bottom because 
I do find, I, I don't want to believe that we have to go through absolute rock bottom in order to yeah. get to our purpose. And it's where it's where my purpose came from. It's for so many of us that kind of that mud does lead to the lotus, right? It's like when we really utilize it and mm-hmm. being open and continuing to be open to what is my part, mm-hmm. right? Being open to the, receiving the messages because it is there. It is mm-hmm. there if we would just allow it. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about the matriarch movement because yeah. it's beautiful. So tell us what you're doing. Yeah, so the matriarch movement, uh, you know, when I went to yoga teacher training, what I realized was, you know, I was often the only indigenous person within yoga classes, within trainings, and I saw a lack of indigenous representation and inclusion within the health and wellness spaces. And so for me, like I mentioned, I only felt safe to go into a yoga studio when I was invited by another indigenous woman. And so really, I I started getting all these ideas through the trainings of I want to create a safe and brave space where indigenous women and indigenous people can feel welcome and supported and safe. And Mm. so I had all Mm. these ideas, but I actually didn't know like what to call it. I didn't. And that's when the dream happened. And so Mm. kind of like interconnected everything that I had been thinking of. And so the Matriarch Movement is a nonprofit organization, an online platform and a podcast that focuses on amplifying indigenous women's voices and indigenous voices in general, and also providing wellness workshops to BIPOC women and indigenous youth across Canada, intertwining meditation, movement and medicine. And when I say medicine, I mean reclaiming an indigenous worldview, which is based on three factors. One, respect. Two, creating a reciprocal relationship. And number three, coming back to a relationship-based approach to life, to the land, to the water, to Mm. ourselves, and also to each other. And so I have to give credit to, you know, my matriarch within my family, my mother, who had a nonprofit organization. And so I kind of grew up around that. I saw what Mm. she was doing within Indigenous communities, and it was pretty much the same work, but more of a performing arts lens. And so, Mm. um, yeah, it's it's interesting though because of the pandemic you know we can't no longer gather in person like we once did going to first nations communities and so a lot of that shifted to the virtual online landscape and so we have a podcast that um, amplifies an indigenous woman's story or voice every single monday called matriarch mondays so you can listen to that podcast on apple and spotify on wednesdays we have wellness wednesdays wellness wednesdays and then on fridays we have follow fridays so featuring and highlighting other indigenous brands and businesses and really i just want to create an online platform that focuses on shifting the narrative around indigenous people and mm. i'm really looking forward to 2022 because i've partnered with lulu Vemid to create a virtual indigenous wellness series that will highlight other indigenous uh, instructors and wellness facilitators because, you know, if people want to learn an indigenous way of life or worldview, it has to be led by indigenous people. And so I think for me, I'm one person and it's coming back to having those community-based values and sharing that abundance within my community. And so I'm looking forward to 2022, uh, you know, passing on the mic and allowing others Mm. within my community to lead, which I think is um, healing intergenerationally in itself. So there's a lot in store, but a lot of work to do. (laughs) Yes. Congratulations, sister. It's beautiful and so important and so needed. To a woman who's listening to this, if they're like, I I would love to do something similar 
for my community, whatever that is. Mm. Where does she start? Mm. I think it's defining like, you know, your why, your why Mm. first. I know this is often talked about. um, It's like defining your why. And it's like, why do you want to share this with others? And what do you and how how will you do that and I think it's coming back to that teaching again too of the medicine wheel of like looking within yourself and then with your family your friends and then your support system and then the community but I think you know working with community is really just about working with in relation to other people it's being in good relationship with others and so I think for me sometimes on social media you know you can get put on a pedestal or people can you know you can be put on a pedestal and really it's like, okay, well, how do I, you know, get off this pedestal that I was put on <laughs> and right, like right. just come back to relating within my own community, like right. seeing each other eye I, to eye. How do I step down from this and we're all sitting in a circle together? Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. Which and, is the new way. We're used to, yeah. we were all grew up in this hierarchical way and we're used to the, to that, but Mm-hmm. Let's, let's sit in circle instead or let me pull you all up here with me and then we'll sit in circle <laughs> yeah well and i think that's where like when you sit when you get to know someone i think that's the community aspect because you realize it's like it's going to take more than just you to work within the community it's also going to take like a community and network of other you know like-minded individuals or people and so i think for me a lot of the time I get my other ideas by being in good relation and communication with others. And then we just like support one another with those visions. And so I think having that support system will allow you to work within community on a larger scale because it takes a community to, you know, create community. A hundred percent. And to, to realize that you're doing all this at 27 sister (laughs) truly blown blown away i i was reading some of the stories uh for the friday follows and you know we're indigenous women who are artists and they're murals and poets and Mm. and just so so beautiful and this is really how we can each do our part right is giving voice to Mm -hmm. the voices that were lost and the Mm -hmm. practices and traditions that had to go underground, but really are not underground because when you go to a yoga retreat, <laughs> there they are, right? They're, yeah, they're not yeah. ours originally, but there they are. So this is, it's so beautiful and so important. How can someone listening to this support the matriarch movement? How can they mm. do a class with you? Is it open to, are you open to everybody? How does that work? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the beginning of the pandemic, I was open to everybody. And I, I realized, you know, I burnt myself out really fast mm. by, um, you know, always being available. And so uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully teaching again soon come 2022. Um, I feel like the past two years, you know, I was, you know, before the pandemic, I started teaching at festivals, I was teaching at a yoga studio in Vancouver. And, you know, one of the thoughts always in the background of my mind is like, uh, you know, my community needs it the most right now. And so for Mm. me, I think for 2022, it's going to be focusing and shifting that lens to, you know, my, uh, my community and to helping the most that I can within that. And then whatever I have left give to uh, non-Indigenous people and give to others. And so 
if you want to support the matriarch movement you can follow us on instagram you can also listen and download um the matriarch movement podcast and then we also there's a donation button on our website as well um and really supporting the indigenous um supporting indigenous people and supporting matriarch movement is really just by supporting us and you know sharing amplifying our work uh taking time to really educate yourself on the traditional territory from where you currently reside how can you honor the land that you live on how can you give back how can you give create that reciprocal relationship to the land that you're currently on and what is the history of that place and then i also invite listeners and non-indigenous people to really look at your own history within your own lineage within your own ancestry and you know if you if these denser you know denser feelings come up you know i think there's medicine in that and i think when we talk about intergenerational trauma with indigenous people we also have to take talk about our own intergenerational trauma but also our own intergenerational healing and then so i think supporting yourself will in return support us and i think that's where the true reconciliation process will happen yeah so there's 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 a lot more modalities if you live in canada specifically i would invite you to write your local mp or your mla and demand that they implement the 94 calls to action by the truth and reconciliation report we have the framework for true relationship and reconciliation process to happen we just need to demand that the federal government the institution itself starts implementing it we also have 231 calls to justice for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and so i'd invite Mm. listeners to look up both of those the 231 calls to justice and the 94 calls to action by the truth and reconciliation report i think that will give you also a really good understanding of the history itself and what happened to indigenous people Mm, thank you so much thank you so much we're going to put all of that in the show notes so that people can specifically go and find these articles and to (laughs) read and to research and i have a lot more research and reading i need to do as well thank you also for bringing up to become familiar with the land that you're sitting on and Mm. (laughs) who occupied the land and the practices before colonization Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Philadelphia and, you know, the Lenape, I hope I'm saying that correctly, people mm-hmm. were here first. And I used to live in Cleveland and the county that I lived in in Cleveland was Cuyahoga. Right. And so it's like even within the language or like right next to where I live here in Philadelphia is Delaware. I, I think that the root of a lot of our language came from the native lands that were here. And so becoming familiar is such a beautiful beautiful practice. Thank you for bringing that home to us. It's so important. Yeah, thank you. And I think, um, you know, along with the land is learning the language. I was always told if you want to learn about, you know, a specific tribe, you learn that language because it holds a worldview. Mm. And I think I mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. So it's kind of coming back to full circle, which is uh, serendipitous. Is that a word? Serendipitous? Yes, serendipitous. Yes, you said it right. I believe it's correct. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Language. (laughs) Language. And speaking of language, I I love your name so much. Is there a meaning to it? Mm. My last name? Shayla. 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 Any of it, but Shayla. Mm -hmm. Shayla, I honestly, I would have to ask my mom. I think I was supposed to be named Jade. And then last minute, she, mm. she she was sitting in a movie and she was actually thinking of Stonechild. And she's like, you know what? Shayla Stonechild would sound really cool. And so I have to thank my mom for thinking <laughs> <right>. that through. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whatever movie it was. Now I'm curious. I like, know. oh, we need to go see what the influence of that was. Well, I mentioned that I have a baby and his name is Shay. S-H-A-Y. Uh-huh. 
and so I feel such connection with your name. And in Hebrew, Shana is pretty. We say like a Shana Putnam, like a pretty face. But Shay, mm-hmm. the Hebrew mm-hmm. Shay is shy. And mm-hmm. that means gift, which oh, is ultimately wow. why we named our son that. He's after uh-huh. five years of fertility struggles, he's our little gift. And huh? so when I saw your name, I immediately think of the feminine gift or, you know, yeah, yeah, in that way. That's cool. I haven't heard of that before. That's awesome. I I, I approve of his name. (laughs) You approve. Yeah. You're like, you're like soul people. I love it. So Shayla, you're such a, you're such a pleasure. I am enjoying our conversation so much. At the end of all my interviews, I like to do something that I call a purpose power play round. And Mm -hmm. that's what I ask my guests, random questions. And whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. Are you down? All right. <laughs> All right. It's yeah, my I'm way down. of it's my way of being like, you know, like a game show talk show host kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Except the questions are not like that at all. All right. So when you were a little girl, what did you say you wanted to be? I said I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> mm. What was it about acting? Do you remember? Um, you know, as a little girl, I was actually really shy. I, you know, people that knew me from back then are like, how are you now being so vocal and being so Mm -hmm. active within our community? Because when I knew you, you barely talked. And it was because, you know, I was super shy. And I think a part of that was a subconscious, um, you know, I reality that I was the only indigenous person within a lot of these spaces. I was the only Mm -hmm. brown girl. And so I would shut down and I wouldn't speak my truth. And so acting was an outlet where I could leave Shayla at the door and take on another person's consciousness or perception Mm. and learn a different way of life. And so for me, I always really liked acting when I was young. And that's what took me to Vancouver. So yeah, an actress. (laughs) An actress. I love it. Well, and that voice. I mean, it's it, what I'm hearing is behind that was having a voice and you have a voice now, except yeah. instead of being an, an actor, right? Or actress, it's all authentic. <laughs> but it, mm. it's like, this is mm-hmm. your authentic voice. It's so freaking cool and beautiful. <laughs> Thank and you. Is there a book, like your favorite book, maybe on Medicine Wheel or on anything that uh. we should all run out and get? Yeah, I think a book I always credit is Sacred Instructions by Indigenous woman, attorney, and activist uh, Sherry Mitchell. And so she actually Mm. speaks of, you know, how colonization and capitalism has not only affected Indigenous people, our spirits, but also non-Indigenous people. And so she talks about reclaiming Indigenous values. Mm. um, And that book really took a lot of my own thoughts and thinking patterns and solidified them. And now I have a vocabulary that I can relate to. And so that book was really eye-opening for me. Also, I love, um, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and breaking Mm -hmm. the habit of being yourself. I think that really shifted the game on how I meditate and how I show up for myself and how I show up for even, you know, my brain and how I can use my brain to create the future that I want. And so those, I would offer those two books. Beautiful, beautiful. The latter I'm familiar with. The former is one I'm putting on my list. So thank you for that. All right, last question. What is one thing you want every woman to know? I want every woman to know that uh, you are whole and you're enough just as you are. I feel like We may have a pattern or we may in the past have tried to outsource our power, whether it be through 
substance, whether it be through work, whether it be through relationships. And really, I feel like we all have the answers already within us and the power that we're seeking outside of us is already within. So I would offer that to all the women here. Mm. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Shayla. You are truly powerful woman. You are a sister and you are leading the way for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. To all of you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to all of you out there, I'm just so blown away. To all of <laughs> to all of you out there, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. If you loved it as much as we love doing it, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave your five star review, and that is how we are letting women all over the world know about the Purpose Girl Podcast, and therefore be able to change their own life and live in their own power and their own essence. Of course, share this episode with your friends, with your families, with everybody who needs to know, because that's how we change the world one woman at a time. If you're not yet in the Purpose Girls Facebook group, join us. We're more than 4,000 women strong, uplifting each other every single day. And of course, be sure to follow the Matriarch Movement and Shayla. We have all of her information in the show notes. With that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.